Well, good morning and welcome to this very important edition of Full Disclosure with the Better Government Association on the morning after a very long night and already, frankly, a long morning for the Illinois General Assembly. The House was in session until well after 4 a.m. They are back at this hour. And before this day is done, we could very well be witnessing the end of the Mike Madigan era and the start of the Speaker Chris Welch era. David Greising of the Better Government Association, he's the president and CEO, is here with us. David, uh, it has been a, a remarkable 24 hours in Springfield. No, it's amazing. We have so much going on in Washington. It's almost distracting uh, uh, from what's the big story in Illinois, which is uh, it looks as if the Mike Madigan era in Illinois politics that has lasted more than a quarter century uh, will come to an end today. Uh, the real question is, how different is Chris Welch from Mike Madigan, given the, the role that Welch played defending Madigan in the investigative committee in the House that was looking into the allegations of misconduct against the Speaker? You know, uh, dramatic developments, too, as uh, Welch emerged as a possible successor, we saw a lot of um, <clears throat> what's referred to in campaign season as oppo dumps, uh, information <laughs> about Chris Welch's past that came forward, various allegations uh, that he had uh, mistreated women uh, in his life romantically or professionally. Uh, none of these ever really came to full fruition. There was never really an adjudication of them. Chris Welch uh, denies any wrongdoing. But coming off the fact that before we had the Commonwealth Edison scandal, we had Me Too scandals involving Speaker Madigan and his staff, it, it was not the most auspicious start to the Welch era. And uh, there were a lot of uh, women in the Democratic caucus, women's groups around the state, who really wanted to seize this opportunity to have the first woman speaker of the House, and those hopes seem to have uh, virtually faded away. Uh, and then to find the, the possibility that Chris Welch will come in with some of these uh, issues hovering over him. Again, it's got to be stated, not to, not uh, adjudicated or proven, uh, but it, it, it is another kind of uh, uh, continuation in the eyes of some of, uh, of the worst excesses in the Madigan era. Well, absolutely. And uh, Ann Williams, the other uh, candidate who looked to have a chance, she dropped out really, uh, I think, before the voting formally even began. She just didn't see a path to getting enough votes. And these allegations against Welch uh, do need to be looked into. Uh, you know, some of them, I, as far back as when he was the, on the Proviso Township School Board, uh, there was a sexual harassment case against him that ultimately uh, was dropped. Uh, but but uh, you're right, Jim. You, you correctly described it. These are rumors that have been running around for a while. Republican opposition research groups uh, were were dangling them. And finally, as Welch rises to this level of prominence, uh, news media started picking it up and reporting it. Uh, he there was a, a huddle briefly in which he described his version of events, and apparently that satisfied enough uh, of, of the members of the caucus uh, that he now stands ready to be elected speaker before the new session starts later today. Uh, but uh, th that story is not over yet. Uh, these uh, In this Me Too era, as uh, belatedly, uh, we need to hear what people uh, who are involved say. And if, in fact, his protestations of uh, these all being misunderstandings, et cetera, are proved to be true, then then good. Then he's had his He's had his hearing, and if not, then um, 
presumably that will be dealt with down the road. You know, and David, I want to come back to another point that you brought up that I think is very, very important as people are looking at this momentous day today, the likely end of Mike Madigan's long tenure as speaker as possibly the start of a new era. But as we saw in the fall, Chris Welch can be just as iron fisted in dealing with his colleagues as Speaker Madigan ever was in the special investigative committee where he uh, repeatedly shot down any attempt by Republicans to subpoena testimony or records to try to hold Mike Madigan accountable. Uh, Chris Welch was was definitely in there uh, and it seemed doing the the speaker's bidding uh, right up and down the line and preventing that committee from ever getting off the ground or doing anything that might have shed more light on how Mike Madigan has conducted himself. And so that's going to leave people wondering, will this really be a new era going forward? Well, certainly, uh, you know, Welch had had really uh, no tolerance for what he viewed as political stunting and gamesmanship on the part of uh, Minority Leader Jim Durkin and others who were trying to make an issue of these huge ethical concerns about Mike Madigan, given that he is at the, the focus of a federal investigation. But Welch was having none of it. He seemed to be doing Madigan's bidding. And the big question hanging over him in the near future will be, is Chris Welch really the Speaker of the House, or is he just a puppet uh, under the influence of Mike Madigan? Think about uh, uh, President Medvedev of Russia during those few years when Putin gave up control of Russia, but Medvedev never did anything that uh, Putin didn't want. Uh, we have to see if Welch can establish independence, but certainly his high-profile role in that investigative committee is not very encouraging. And if nothing else, it shows that he's cut from very similar cloth to that from which Madigan came. Uh, where this was left overnight in the wee small hours is that Chris Welch is uh, telling uh, allies and associates that he has now the 60 votes to become the next speaker. When they did a closed-door vote last night, uh, Chris Welch had 50. The only other candidate who was still in the running, Jay Hoffman, a veteran Democratic lawmaker, had just a handful of votes. Uh, David, as you noted, uh, Chris Welch uh, had to essentially uh, run a gauntlet of uh, female lawmakers who wanted answers about some of these past allegations. Uh, presumably there may have been some discussion about uh, the role for women on Welch's leadership team. After all that was done, he indicated he'd have the 60 votes. They're going to do another closed-door vote this morning, and then they've got to do it publicly at noon today when the new legislature is seated. So uh, if indeed this is all playing out the way that uh, Chris Welch believes it is, uh, we'll know very early this afternoon that Mike Madigan, in fact, will no longer be wielding the gavel. Uh, and, and, David, it just it raises the question again. We've got a lot more to get to this morning, but it just raises the question again of how much different will Illinois politics overall be uh, with Mike Madigan not in the speaker's chair? Illinois politics overall, we have to wait and see. The biggest political spending force in Democratic politics in Illinois will remain as the Speaker Madigan with uh, the millions of dollars he has in several different campaign war chests. The, 
the the second shoe to drop here is does he give up control of the Illinois Democratic Party, which then will complete if that happens, that would change the dynamics of Illinois politics substantially. Uh, as, as far as uh, the kind of single-handed control of the legislature that Madigan had, even if it's Madigan's plan to kind of control the legislature through Welch, uh, it's not going to be easy, and that will dissipate over time. And it will take Welch time to establish controls, uh, anything close to what Madigan had. That's the sort of thing that just happens over years and years of one person being the go-to. Chris Welch has to show he can, for example, collect votes uh, on a tough vote. Uh, he has to show that he can exert discipline on those who don't go with the caucus in the way that Mike Madigan did. There are a lot of uh, tri tricks to doing this job well, and it's not something you know about overnight. It'll take a session and maybe two before we really know how effective Chris Welch can be as speaker. Uh, big things are in the air, and overnight, of course, with Mike Madigan still nominally in control, we saw the legislature doing some of what it does best passing massive bills in the dead of night with very little awareness outside uh, of a few minds as to what exactly was going on. We're going to talk about some of that next here. Uh, David, this is the last day of the 101st General Assembly, and if they uh, don't get things passed by noon today when the new legislature is seated, they have to start all over again. So in this lame duck session that began on Friday, they have been trying to, uh, to cram through a few last-minute things. We want to touch on as many of these as we can, uh, including one that dropped last minute, uh, took, uh, I think, a lot of people by surprise. Uh, but after months of uh, demands from uh, Republicans and from others to address the ongoing ethical issues in the General Assembly, lo and behold, voila, in the dead of night, an ethics bill emerged in the Illinois House. What can you tell us about it? Well, uh, we, we haven't read it all the way through just yet, but what we're seeing doesn't look very appealing. Um, uh, we, the BGA and others, have been in demanding a ban on uh, lobbying for legislatures at, lawmakers after they leave the legislature. Two years is kind of the gold standard, and this bill has only a six-month so-called cooling-off period. That's hardly long enough for somebody to find a job. I mean, it just really uh, doesn't get the job done. Uh, there, there are also changes to the statements of economic interest, which is where lawmakers are required to reveal any potential conflicts of interest. We haven't had a chance yet to look into the details of those, but we will. We are doing so right now. There is a, a one good thing is there's a ban on lobbying other units of government. That was expected. Uh, it, it would have been a, a debacle to not have that in there. Uh, but it's good to see it in there. Um, you know, it, it's really unfortunate that this is pushed through, in the, as you said, in the dead of night, uh, at the end of a long period in which the Ethics Commission didn't even meet after this truncated spring session, did not stop holding public hearings, stop opinions, stop sharing what it was doing. It, it really, this is the worst in the way that legislation is handled in Illinois. And while there may be some minor improvements in this bill, it falls far short 
of what is called for in the aftermath of this sprawling federal corruption and probe. You know, uh, the, the House has just moments ago reconvened. Uh, they adjourned for the uh, the night at 4.15 a.m. roughly. So about four and a half hours later, they're back at it again. Lawmakers looking as bleary eyed as those of us in the press who were monitoring their actions overnight. But again, they have a, a lot of work to do here. Another big thing that uh, didn't get resolved overnight was Governor J.B. Pritzker's call to decouple Illinois tax law from some of the business tax changes and tax breaks that were approved by the federal government last year as part of the CARES Act. Uh, apparently, the, the governor's office and the Department of Revenue realized a little bit belatedly that those changes were, are going to uh, siphon off uh, up to a billion dollars of revenue uh, in the state of Illinois in, in the upcoming fiscal year uh, that, uh, again, we, <laughs> we, we uh, don't have a way to fill that budget hole we're already uh, operating at about a three to four billion dollar budget deficit this could be another billion dollars on top of that so the governor wanted to decouple illinois tax law from federal tax law and he didn't get the votes he needed overnight david yeah that's really something uh you know people who are against it they seem to be looking at that billion dollars as if it is a new tax being imposed on the residents of the state. And that seems to speak to the opposition. There's also some feeling that uh, the governor's staff didn't do a very good job of communicating about this. They've had this information apparently since October, but only brought it to light recently. Uh, this is really troublesome if what is being said is true, but it's a measure of a lack of confidence in the governor uh, and, and his staff that uh, this bill uh, failed to garner uh, 60 votes in the House um, and it's uh, now being postponed. Consideration of it is being postponed. Uh, so it looks like this may need to go to the new session uh, that starts later today. They're also still trying to work out the final details on a, uh, a criminal justice reform package. This is the uh, the signature legislation uh, of this session for the Legislative Black Caucus. Uh, this is a massive bill. It has uh, drawn some pretty strong opposition from law enforcement groups. It's gone through a lot of changes. And, David, I'll be honest with you, I'm not really quite sure where we stand with it at this point. Uh, bills are mo moving both through the House and the Senate overnight. Is this something that looks like they're going to be able to get done in some form? You know, it's one of those things that you don't know what to say. Do we want criminal justice reform in the state of Illinois? Certainly, it's long overdue that something like this happens. Uh, but do we want it when we don't, nobody has time to even read these massive bills? No, because nothing but bad comes from passing bills that not even the lawmakers voting on, on them have had time to read. And uh, it, it seems, we, while, while it's very understandable, the... Uh, Legislative Black Caucus trying to use the impetus of last spring's uh, George Floyd-related riots uh, to uh, or protests to to advance their wide-ranging agenda. It's just really tough to see massive bills pushed through uh, in such a short period of time. And uh, while I understand that they, if they think they can get the votes and they're going to push it through because they can't be quite so certain next time. You just know that there are all kinds of problems written into these things, even by well-meaning lawmakers. You just can't do this big a bill in this short period of time and get it right the first time. We are unfortunately out of time. There's so much more we could be talking about, but we'll have uh, more time next week as we see how all of this shakes out. Uh, next week, of course, will also be Inauguration Day in Washington, D.C. Could be some momentous stuff happening there as well. 
uh, and momentous things happening there today also. Uh, until next time then, David Greising, how do people find you and the Better Government Association? I'm at dgreising at bettergov.org, D-G-R-E-I-S-I-N-G at bettergov.org, and my uh, and our website is bettergov.org. We'll be back next Wednesday morning here on Full Disclosure. David, thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Thank you. You too, Jim. Bye.